Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including eBooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Books in Pop Culture. I'm Gail Fashingbauer Cooper, the author of two pop culture books myself, Whatever Happened to Pudding Pop, and The Totally Sweet 90s, both written with Brian Belmont. So naturally, when I saw Maris Kreisman's new book, Slaughterhouse 90210, I had to speak to her about it. Welcome to the show, Maris. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad to have you. Now, your book has a fun subtitle, Where Great Books Meet Pop Culture, and that kind of explains your concept a little bit, but can we hear it in your own words? Absolutely. Um, My book started as a Tumblr seven years ago, so I'm like a real OG Tumblr (laughs) user. Um, Indeed. And what I did on the Tumblr was I took images from pop culture and combined them with quotes from the books I was reading. Um, in order to make something entirely new and, and to comment on both things. Uh, so, so it's my way of combining my love of literature with my in, insatiable love of TV and movies and, and a bunch of other things. That's wonderful. And the Tumblr was well-received and popular? And it was well-received and popular. And so um, a couple of years ago, I you know, sold a book version and tried to expand. My Tumblr is basically just a TV um, kind of blog, but I I tried to expand the scope for the book to be about sports and politics and technology and just um, how we live today. Yeah, you've got a little bit of everything in there, basketball (laughs) and uh, royalty and a lot of fun, funny things going on. Um, and your background is in books yourself, book editing? Or? Yes. Um, I was a book editor for many years at Simon & Schuster. And um, I was, I, I'm currently the publishing outreach lead at Kickstarter. Um, so I've just always been in the book world um, as a profession. Um, and, and so the, the Tumblr turned book was my way of doing something really fun with it. Yes, very fun. Um, I, I don't know if we have a mutual friend, Linda Holmes of NPR, but I really liked what she wrote about your book, uh, which talked about how to her it showed that what's a very important thing to her and her criticism is that works of high and low culture can not only coexist, but maybe benefit each other. Um, often a TV show might hit us on the same level as the highest of art. Absolutely. And I um, first of all, Linda's review was life affirming in every way. Uh, I'm so grateful. But one of the things that was a theme when I first started the Tumblr, Slaughterhouse 90210, was it was kind of about how 
silly it was when high culture and low culture collided. And, and it really took a while to, to figure out and appreciate how it's not just about that dichotomy. It's about how these things are in harmony and how they work together. And that loving the high and the low and everything in between makes consuming culture so fun. It's funny because it made me think of uh, Roger Ebert before he died. You know, I just loved him, but he had kind of an online battle about whether video games were art Mm -hmm. because his immediate response was, no, they are not. And many people, you know, sent him examples of video games that maybe he hadn't seen or told them how they had touched them in a way. And I think, you know, he never really quite came over to the other side before we sadly lost him. But I always thought he was kind of starting to see, okay, maybe there was some art in a in a genre that I did not think of. In that way, 100 percent. And and it just keeps getting more artful. Um, did you there's this new game? I'm, I might mess this up um, about a, a parent whose child has cancer. Yes. The the dragon game. The dragon I just was I heard a podcast on that. And, oh, it sounds so heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking and um, evocative and much like the best forms forms of art are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's that dragon cancer. If not, it's close to that. Yeah, might be it. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about the process of how you went about putting the book together? Were these all quotes from books that you just had in your head, or did you? (laughs) Um, I have now about a 250-page Google Doc um, of quotes. (laughs) I bet. Um, Both from my readings, which is you know the majority of it. And also my little secret is Goodreads um, has a quote section that you can search by keywords. So that allowed me to be a little bit more reactive. Like if there was a scene that I knew I wanted to cover from Breaking Bad, I could um, search for, you know, redemption or something like that or evil and and find quotes that that really related to. And then it was a matter of the blog is really exciting and easy for me because I can use any screenshot my heart desires. And for the book, it was a little more complicated. I had to get permission to use the photos um, that you'll find in the book. So a lot of it was tailoring um, the quotes that I wanted to use towards the images that were available. Was there one image that you really wanted to get a hold of but just couldn't yeah. get permission for? Yeah, there. you know, it breaks my heart to see the Gilmore Girls image that I used in the book because I love that show. Um, the image in the book is like has Rory and Lorelai kind of like together but kind of staring off into the distance thoughtfully. And the quote is a Gabriel Garcia Marquez quote about how um, the greatest joy of parenthood is, is being friends with your offspring. And what I really wanted was a picture of the two of them with a ton of junk food in front of the TV, really like a girl's night in, you know, and that that wasn't available. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, you'd think if they give you one Gilmore Girls right. shot, why not a different one? Right. What is the problem? Right. You're still promoting the show in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> Were there some that really surprised you when you found yourself making the comparison? Like, oh, I never thought of the this you know show or these characters in this way, and this this quote made me kind of go deeper into understanding it. Yeah, um, let me see. 
I think when I not it wasn't a show, but I well yes it was. Um, I often watch an award show and react to that the next day with a quote from literature, screenshot <laughs> from that award. Um, and so I've had a bunch of Kanye West images, and um, I finally found the perfect Susan Sontag quote about being constantly aware of the spectacle you're making. Um, mm. And and I think she would have loved him and appreciated um the kinds of spectacles he created. Yeah. And were there some that have come out since your book was published? Maybe you've even put them on the Tumblr yeah. since then that you thought, oh, that would be so great to have had in the book. Um, Elena Ferrante isn't in the book at all. I think when I first started the book, um, I had read the first in the um, Neapolitan novels out of four. Um, and since then, I've become much like many people I know who are interested in books. Um, obsessed with them. Ferrante fever. I've got it. It's back. Mm -hmm. um, and the primary love triangle of, of the series maps so well onto my so-called life. Jordan and Angela um, and Rayan. And um, that is that is something I've enjoyed exploring on the blog. <laughs> and Are of you course, and there's new shows that I love that didn't make it into the book. Um, Empire and Mr. Robot and Unreal, which is on Lifetime. Um, great shows. Um, great, great to work with, too. Oh, Empire came to my mind right away. Just the family drama that, you know, that could be right out of any of the Russian writers Absolutely. or you know, any big family story has that kind of drama that they're having. Um, do, do you mind talking a little bit about the title image and quote? Or I mean, it's not it's a quote from Slaughterhouse uh, Five, obviously, but. Um, do you mind talking about that one a little bit? Sure. Um, the, the truth is that um, when I I was looking for a fun um, mashup when I came up with a title for my blog seven years ago, and Slaughterhouse Nano 2.0 is what I came up with. Um, and truthfully, if I knew that seven years later I'd be talking about it this way <laughs> much, I might have um, chosen more wisely <laughs> or, or been a little less silly. Um, but so it was important that, um, we had an image from, uh, um, from the show and a quote from the novel so that we could, you know, really get the main premise across. And, and the truth is what I really wanted was that there's a quote from Slaughterhouse Five that says the champagne was dead. So it goes. And of course, Donna Martin <laughs> from 90210 goes to her senior prom and um, overdoes it on the champagne. And there, on the blog, there's an image I use of Donna Martin passed out with that quote below, and it was perfect. And of course, in the end, everyone rallies behind her. And when when she is punished um, for, for drinking at the prom and being told she can't graduate, of course. Her, her classmates rally by her side. Um, and unfortunately, that image wasn't um, available. But I think the, the larger sense of the show is just um, a kind of wonderful dream world. That the escapism of that show, I think, is what Kurt Vonnegut was talking about in Slaughterhouse-Five. That, that, that the imagination... Um, 
Frieza. And the quote that you use is, of course, uh, for people who don't have the book in oh, front yeah. of them like I do. Um, do you want to read it to us? Or? Absolutely. Um, it's, it's the other big um, quote from Slaughterhouse Five, which was, everything was beautiful and nothing hurt. And, and I guess that's kind of the best thing about TV. It allows us to escape the drudgery of our daily lives a little bit. <laughs> sure, sure. And it's, you know, it's a great pairing because you have these beautiful Beverly Hills teens. Um, and, of course, the, the point of the show, their lives were so beautiful that we all sat in our, you know, cold cabins in Minnesota and watched them. But, uh, you know, nothing hurt. Well, they sure thought it hurt when uh, Kelly and Brenda were fighting for Dylan or whatever their latest drama was. And, you know, they did suffer. They did have a lot of real life problems, but uh, they did uh, somehow. Somehow it was fun and entertaining and, and not tragic in the least. For sure. Do you mind if I just kind of go through the book and, and tell you some of my favorites and we can talk about the pairing? Great. Um, there's one of Taylor Swift fairly early on um, with a great Joan Didion quote from Slouching Towards Bethlehem yeah. that says, above all, she is the girl who feels things, who has hung on to the freshness and pain of adolescence, the girl ever wounded, ever young. And the amazing thing about that is that the quote was originally about Joan Baez. And it was mm. kind of a diss on Joan Didion's part, saying that she was maybe given too much credit, that that maybe some of the overt emotionalism was was kind of a ploy. Um, and so, of course, you can kind of see that in, in Taylor Swift's world, even though I adore Taylor Swift and I love how every song about heartache is can make you cry and think mm -hmm. about your high school boyfriend. Um, and of course, Joan Baez recently joined Taylor Swift on stage as like one of the groups of her friends who um, appeared at concerts together. So, Oh, that's wonderful. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, you know, there's another one a little further in that it's a combination of the show and the writer are just killer for me. And it's a picture from The Bachelor, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. um, and the quote is from Sylvia Plath. And it's, there is so much hurt in this game of searching for a mate, of testing, trying. And you realize suddenly that you forgot it was a game and turn away in tears. I mean, that could have been written about The Bachelor. Absolutely. And, it, you know, you see these very earnest faces during that rose ceremony. Um, and, and, and sometimes I think Sylvia Plath is, particularly a writer who um, we we view as so tragic that we forget that she had a sense of humor. Right, right, for sure. And, you know, how seriously the women on The and Bachelor do take that. We sit at home and mock them, but they're really in it, <laughs> most of them, <laughs> or what they think are the good reasons, I guess. Um, here's another one, and this is um, a Joyce Carol Oates uh, quote on a picture of Marge Gunderson from Fargo. Um, so I grew up in Minnesota, so I'm hoping you can defend this a little to me. But it says the challenge is to resist circumstances. Any idiot can be happy in a happy place. But moral courage is required to be happy in a hellhole. I don't think you're calling Minnesota I'm a hellhole. Certainly not. A hellhole there. Um, I'm saying that Marge was. I can watch Fargo and, and I'm preparing for, you know, a huge snowstorm tonight. Um, 
that the cheer and perseverance that Marge had, um, even in the worst of times, was was an inspiration. Right. Right. Not that winter isn't a hellhole. uh, (laughs) It seems to me it was more of Marge being a kind of a good person surrounded by depravity and William H. Macy and his creepy scams and all that. But and here's another one that I really love. And it's a it's one of your again, one of your pictures is not from a show, but from a concert. And it's Bruce Springsteen Mm -hmm. uh, with a Maya Angelou quote that says, I believe that one can never leave home. I believe that one carries the shadows, the dreams, the fears, and the dragons of home under one's skin at the extreme corners of one's eyes and possibly in the gristle of the earlobe. You know, you talked about being from uh, Minnesota, and I am from New Jersey. There you go. Um, and, and, and very near to Asbury Park, where Bruce really got his start. And, you know, I like to joke that I'm from the area of New Jersey where Bruce Springsteen constantly sang about leaving, which is true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But he has been one of the most wonderful members of the community. My parents are still there now. And he he constantly raises money and an awareness for for uh, charities and um, other events um, in that New Jersey town. And um, I love the idea that where you're from can haunt you. And also you can feel proud of it at the same time and and Maya Angelou who better than that to 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 right. up right and he so brings it forth in his music you know really taking people who don't know the life that he grew up in or the surroundings taking them into these beautiful character studies of his music that have so much to do with place absolutely um place here's another great one from um I'm a Donna Tart fan. The Secret History is my favorite <laughs> but this is from The Goldfinch which is another you know her more recent giant book um, and the picture is Olivia Pope from Scandal walking into the White House security line. Um, what if what if one happens to be possessed of a heart that can't be trusted? What if the heart, for its own unfathomable reasons, leads one willfully and in a cloud of unspeakable radiance away from health, domesticity, civic responsibility and strong social connections and all the blandly held common virtues and instead straight towards a beautiful flare of ruined self-immolation disaster? Um, that's a great one. So I, I agree. I think the secret history is still the the knockout Donna Tartt novel that you should read if you haven't read any of her. Um, but I love the goldfinch and I loved how Olivia and, and the title, uh, the title, the protagonist um, of the goldfinch are drawn to the dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and certainly when you watch Scandal, I imagine people are always like, turn the other way. Yes. <laughs> Just Don't do go that. Home. What are you doing? <laughs> right. Don't right. That. Um, and but but we enjoy, of course, all of the um, misadventures she gets into when when she does pursue the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. And speaking of misadventures, here's a great picture of um, Dwight and Angela's wedding yeah. from the office with the Carson McCullers quote that says, a most mediocre person can be the object of a love which is wild, extravagant, and beautiful as the poison lilies of the swamp. And and I think Carson McCullers was so good at finding the beautiful in the mediocre people anyway, and, and that Angela and Dwight are just such wonderful versions of that because they seem, you know, at first glance to be... Um, 
ordinary. And of course, they are um, they are the heart and soul of that show, really. Oh, yes. And to Dwight, of course, they would never be mediocre. He's a beet farmer. That's how, can true. That be, how can that be a mediocre thing? Is that your is that your pug snoring? Yes. That, that little purring? Oh, no, it's so cute. It's so cute. I just wanted to explain to people yes. that that's not actually a technical difficulty. Snoring in the background. Oh, it's adorable. Really stimulating. <laughs> yes, it's sweet. And here is a great picture, just a page or two over, um, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer with a quote from The Road, which is one of the most chilling books of recent years, I think. Uh, and it just sums up Buffy right there. <laughs> if trouble comes when you least expect it, then maybe the thing to do is to always expect it. And I think she looks very ready. This is a, a good combination of Cormac McCarthy, dystopia, um, utter darkness. Um, there's something. The comparison makes Buffy seem just as dark, but but still hopeful. Right, right. She had to. She had to always be on the edge, which couldn't have been easy for no matter what powers you have to always be ready to run into the darkness. Ugh, the road still gives me chills. <laughs> and now this is a very. Um, modern and and uh appropriate one right now it's a picture of donald trump uh-huh. i'm guessing on the apprentice uh-huh. probably um and it's a joseph heller catch 22 quote it was miraculous it was almost no trick at all he saw to turn vice into virtue and slander into truth impotence into abstinence arrogance into humility plunder into philanthropy thievery into humor into honor blasphemy into wisdom brutality into patriotism and sadism into justice Anybody could do it. It required no brains at all. It merely required no character. Yeah, so Joseph Heller introduced us to the idea of um, the Catch-22 when when there's no real way to win. <laughs> right. And yeah. doublespeak rules, even though doublespeak is certainly more of an Orwellian concept. Um, and this Pairing has been the most successful on the internet for me. Oh, <laughs> being shared around. Bette Midler um, just tweeted it recently, and she did this amazing thing where um, it was just the image and the quote, and then um, I tweeted it at her and said, oh, this is part of my book. And so she retweeted again with um, with my name. and, and the Oh, book, good. Which is just like, of course she did. She's the best. <laughs> right. She gave you credit where credit was due. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And here's another one that's kind of a little sad. Um, Anna Nicole Smith got a lot of flack during her life and maybe even after her death. But I always felt a little sorry for her because she was just in something she wasn't ready for, I think. But the quote is from The Corrections. And it says, she was so much a personality and so little anything else that even staring straight at her, he had no idea what she really looked like. The, the thing that I find funniest about this pairing now is that Jonathan Franzen as an Internet person or lack thereof, I guess, uh, the way we talk about Jonathan Franzen on the Internet, of course, he is not a part of it, um, has become he has become such a personality himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am guilty of this, of of ascribing many personality traits to him and ideas to him. And um, I can imagine that I wouldn't know what it would be like to like have an actual conversation with him and think of him as just a person. And and I guess that's kind of the point with Nicole too. 
Yeah, that's that's interesting how it's kind of maybe even changed since you've yes. you know first put it together sure. uh, as a pairing. Um, there's another great one a couple of pages on, which is a picture from the Wonder Years of the mm-hmm. family at the barbecue, and it's a Flannery O'Connor quote: "Anybody who has survived his childhood has enough information about life to last him the rest of his days." And that's just a perfect pairing to me, considering that show and its kind of wistful feel. Absolutely, and and the idea of looking back and and taking stock of one's adolescence as, as a way to interpret, you know, modern life. <laughs> right. There was always a sense in that show that thanks to that wonderful Daniel Stern, I guess it was narrative mm-hmm. that he was looking back with, you know, a sense, not just of wonder, but a sense of knowledge from all those years gone by. Uh, and here's a great one of Wayne and Garth from <laughs> Saturday Night Live with a Jane Austen quote from Persuasion that says uh there could have been no two hearts so open, no tastes so similar, no feelings so in unison. And at first, this was kind of funny to me because, you know, it's Wayne and Garth and their buddies and it's Jane Austen. But it's a really good pairing. And maybe you can tell us what you were thinking there. Um, I like anything in which um, a Jane Austen quote can be turned on its head so that it's not about romance and that. Um, that making a true connection with a person um, doesn't always have to be that that Jane Austen idea of of true love. The true love right, can right. can take another form. And and I've actually used a lot of Jane Austen too in describing other friendships, like Troy and Abed on Community also had that kind of relationship where oh. they were silly um, and introspective together. <laughs> Yeah, it was great because it really made me think that, you know, Wayne and Garth could not have been such a popular sketch had they not legitimately at their heart been friends for all that Wayne poked fun at Garth and Garth was kind of an idiot. Sometimes they were this friendship was tight. Absolutely. Yeah. And here's a kind of a family one. This is the Osbournes, I'm sure, probably from their show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny to look at them now because, you know, Kelly and Jack Osborne have grown up so much since this day. Okay. But uh, it's a Salinger quote yeah. from Franny and Zooey. We are, all four of us, blood relatives, and we speak a kind of esoteric family language, a sort of semantic geometry in which the shortest distance between any two points is a fullish circle. Um, I loved The Osbournes when it was on because it was really one of those shows where, like, in the first season, you haven't seen anything else like it. And and getting to know the rhythms of their... um, family relationship and they way, the way they speak to each other is is entirely unique and and you can't I don't think a TV writer could have made that up you know it's and that's for sure I think that's one of the things that I love about reality TV um and certainly I think this is what Salinger was getting at in Franny and Dewey for sure yeah there was a love there. I'll, I'll never forget, though, when Ozzy was going to throw the ham into the neighbor's yard and Sharon was yelling, not the ham, Ozzy, not the ham. Like, it's OK if you maybe, you know, throw a rock or a turkey, but not but a ham. <laughs> we're going to eat that later. And of course, I always love that there were like four or five dogs running around in any time. Oh, always. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was great. Um, and being from Minnesota, I have to choose this picture of Prince with a Michael Cunningham yes. quote that says, I was not ladylike, nor was I manly. I was something else altogether. There were so many different ways to be beautiful. And I just think that, I think that sums up Prince's appeal really well. Um, 
and I, I wanted to make sure that that, that that kind of outlook was represented in this book too. Right. Right. A great quote. And we'll do one more and then I'll ask you for some of your favorites. Um, But This is a Brad Pitt and Angelina at the Oscars picture with a Charles Baxter quote that says, in truth, there are only two realities, the one for people who are in love or love each other and the one for people who are standing outside all that. And I, I was so happy that I was able to get approval for the use of this photo because there really are many people in the background looking um, looking on at this golden couple. Um, and of course, the Feast of Love is about an observer, about someone who, you know, tells stories in their head about how they think the rest of the world or their, their coffee shop is. And, and how are we to know, really? Right. Right. And did you want to have some favorites that you maybe wanted to share? I don't know if I've mentioned some of them or if there's some other ones. For sure. Um, so the, so the, um, my so-called life images that I did use, I, I use, I use two because it's one of my favorite shows and because there are so many good quotes to go along with it. Um, the last image of the book, though, is Claire Danes as Angela Chase looking very introspective. And um, it's a Jennifer Egan quote from A Visit from the Goon Squad, which is one of my favorite novels in, of the recent past. And the quote is, there's a fine line between thinking about somebody and thinking about not thinking about somebody. But I have the patience and the self-control to walk that line for hours, days, if I have to. Um, and that sounded like something the narrator on my so-called life would say, just straight up dialogue there. For sure. It absolutely does. Yeah. Mooning over Jordan. Mooning over Jordan um, and feeling like, you know, there's nothing like adolescent obsession. <laughs> yeah. That show was kind of a lot like your book in that it's like, here are these teens that you may view very superficially but you know here's this wonderful overlaying dialogue that tells what's going on in their heads and it's a lot deeper Absolutely. than maybe you think Absolutely. Uh, um i also love um there's a true detective image season one of course mcconaughey <laughs> harrelson um and it's an iris murdoch quote from the sea the sea Um, And the quote is, we are such inward secret creatures that inwardness is the most amazing thing about us, even more amazing than our reason. But we cannot just walk into the cavern and look around. Most of what we think we know about our minds is pseudo knowledge. We're all such shocking posers, so good at inflating the importance of what we think we value. And the narrator of the sea, the sea was this man who felt like he was very, very important and had trifling observations about everything to assault you with at all times. And I can't think of anything more appropriate, (laughs) especially for the Matthew McConaughey philosophical genius uh, that he thought he was in um, True Detective. Right. You know, you could almost take lines from that show, like time is a flat circle and paste it on a picture of some other thing and it could have a yeah, kind of a deep relevance because so many lines from that are so classic. Absolutely. Um, let me see. 
you did name a couple. Oh, um, there's a Dan Shong quote from um, Among the Missing uh, that I that I paired with the famous image of Lindsay Lohan in her car passed out. Right. Uh, with someone clearly checking on her, but she's up down for the count. Um, and the quote says, it doesn't matter what you do. In the end, you are going to be judged. And all the times that you're not at your most dignified are the ones that will be recalled in all their vivid, heartbreaking detail. And then, of course, these things will be distorted and exaggerated and replayed over and over until eventually they turn you, they turn into the essence of you, your cartoon. And, you know, I'm probably adding to the problem because I'm, I'm showing that image again, but I'm hoping w- with the sense that there has to be more to the story and that Dan Sean is such a sympathetic writer. Um, and I think it applies even for the less iconic images, but like for the things that we think about the people we know, even they're more than just the cartoon of you. Right. Right. I can't put that in my head with the Anna Nicole one where it's kind of like, you know, here's a person that you think, you know, but maybe there's a depth there or maybe you should have a little more sympathy or understanding. And here's a quote that kind of gets at that. Absolutely. Uh, I also liked the ducky ducky one. I'm thinking of other ones from the book that I liked from pretty in pink. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what the quote was. It's near the back. It's a Juno Diaz quote and I'm going to have to, right. let me, let me see if I can find it. You know, the, the thing that I worried about with that pairing was that it would be too on the nose because it's mm-hmm. in the brief wondrous life of Oscar Wilde. And my feeling is that perhaps Juno Diaz was actually thinking about the movie Pretty in Pink when he was writing about this or that there's it's close enough. Um, and that quote is without even realizing it, he'd fallen into one of those let's be friends vortexes, the bane of nerd boys everywhere. These relationships were love's version of a stay in the stocks. In you go, plenty of misery guaranteed. And what you got out of it besides bitterness and heartbreak, nobody knows perhaps some knowledge of self and women. And of course, today in internet parlance, that would be the friend zone. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. And Ducky was kind of the ultimate example of it. Uh, so much so that, you know, I always remember being furious when I heard that they had an ending where Ducky ends up with Andy. And then they were like, oh, we showed it to some audiences and they wanted her to be with, you know, hunky Andrew McCarthy instead. Oh, no, that's wrong. Very wrong it over so oh dear well this has been great is there what are you working on now do you have uh are you keeping the tumblr up or do you have another book plan yeah or? I, i'm keeping the tumblr up i'm trying to post you know once or twice a week it used to be i used to do it every day and that's just um after seven years um a little unsustainable <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. um, but i still enjoy doing it and i still enjoy knowing that if something strikes me, I have a place to put my commentary immediately. Right. Um, Do you want to give that Tumblr address so yes. people can? Um, it's slaughterhouse90210.tumblr.com. Easy. And Tumblr is, of course, T-U-M-B-L-R. It always seems like there should be an E nope. in there, but there's, there is not. So. <laughs> like Flickr and all the rest of them. Um, and so and what else are you working on? Or? Um, I'm working on a couple of essays now. I, I'm hoping to put some together and uh, maybe have an essay collection that I can sell. Sometimes. Oh, wonderful. And, and yes, it'll all be about 
pop culture and how it's affected my life and the lives of others kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And how have people reacted to the book so far? It's been really, really lovely. Um, One of the things that I've always loved about my blog, which was also a part of the book, is that it's a celebration of authors for the most part. So it feels like it feels connected to being a fan. Um, And so I enjoy talking about the writers that I love and what I'm excited about reading. Um, And so I was glad to, you know, be a part of that. It's It's a great combination. I mean, so many of us, you know, love books, but pop culture is our other you know, TV shows and whatever celebrities is our other kind of guilty pleasure. And to know that you can blend the two Absolutely. kind of gives us a new perspective on it, which is why your book is so great. Um, thank you so much. This has been Maris Kreisman and her book is Slaughterhouse 90210, where great books meet pop culture. You should run out and get it right now and you will have a great time with it and buy one for your friends as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Oh, great. We enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Thank you.